Welcome to Passive Real Estate Investing, the show where busy people like you learn how to build substantial passive income while creating wealth for the long term. And now, here's your host, Marco Santarelli. Welcome to Passive Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Marco Santarelli. You know, Americans are losing the money game. Freedom is our innate human tendency, yet that beacon of Americanism has dimmed over the last decade. It's an abstraction to some and just a fantasy to others. Our society has replaced the foundational principles of self-reliance and entrepreneurship with security and dependency. The price we've paid for this, this transfer of responsibility, continues to compound. And it's evidenced by these incredible statistics. Just listen to this. The U.S. national debt is at an all-time high and has been for a very long time. It's currently over $20 trillion, trillion with a T. Half of our earned income goes to taxes when you start to factor in sales tax, property taxes, utilities, and inflation. Both Medicare and Social Security now comprise over 200% of our GDP, the gross domestic product. The retirement savings gap is at a staggering $14 trillion. Consumer debt is also at an all-time high, and I believe that's $20 trillion or over $20 trillion. 45% of the workforce today has just $3,000 saved for retirement. Think about that. Almost half of our workforce has only saved $3,000. Outstanding student loan debt is over $1.5 trillion. And to make that worse, Student loan default rates are over 50%. This is a big problem that I think the government is going to have to step in and deal with. And employment satisfaction, which I think is critical because you need to love what you do and have a passion for it, employment satisfaction and engagement are staggeringly low. I mean, if you don't believe me, just ask 10 of your friends. But, you know, there is hope. There is hope. The opportunity to achieve financial freedom and a life of fulfillment is available to more people today than ever before. We just have the speed of communication. We have technology, the internet. Things have been democratized. We have a great opportunity. In fact, the opportunity to create financial freedom is far more available today than it has been for your parents and their parents' parents. So, It all starts with your financial education, which we talk about a lot, and your mindset. It's all about financial education and mindset. Now, you may need to question everything you know about money, wealth, investing, and retirement. You know, I love movies, and I especially love the blockbuster movie, The Matrix. I use this movie as a metaphor all the time. Picture yourself in a similar seat as Neo with Morpheus extending his hands to you, offering you the following choice. He says, you take the blue pill, the story ends, you wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. My point here is this. It all starts with your mindset and financial education. You may need to question everything you know about money and wealth, investing and retirement, but it's available to you. So with that, let's continue our exploration and discovery through this podcast. You know, we talk about mindset here on the show. So do you ever stop and think about the real cost of unlimited personal liability? You know, asset protection is about closing the legal loopholes of unlimited personal liability. Asset protection is both necessary and it's affordable. 
Corporate Direct has protected thousands of clients over the last 30 years. And Corporate Direct is owned and operated by attorney and author Garrett Sutton, who wrote the bestsellers Loopholes of Real Estate and Start Your Own Corporation. Visit them at CorporateDirect.com for more information. They are great. You can call them at 800-600-1760 and get a free 15-minute consultation with one of their incorporating specialists. And if you mention this show, you can receive $100 off every LLC or corporation that you form. Again, visit CorporateDirect.com for more information and get your free 15-minute consultation or call them at 800-600-1760 and remember to mention this show. Thank you. It's my pleasure to welcome Patrick Donahoe to the show. Patrick is the founder and CEO of Paradigm Life and PL Wealth Advisors, companies founded to educate clients to reach their financial freedom by building wealth, creating cash flow, and establishing a legacy. Since 2007, they've helped thousands of individuals in all 50 states and every province of Canada efficiently grow their wealth by using financial strategies outside of the typical Wall Street solutions. He's recently been honored by Investopedia as one of the nation's top 100 most influential financial advisors. So with that, Patrick, welcome to the show. Marco, it's awesome to be with you. I'm glad you're on the show. I've been meaning to get you on for a long time since we went out on a cruise with Robert Kiyosaki early this year. And, you know, we've had some great conversation and I just knew you were a really smart, knowledgeable guy. And now that you have your new book out, Heads I Win, Tails You Lose, I just figured, you know what, this is an opportune time to get you on the show so we could talk about some of the ideas and concepts you have in that book. No, I'm excited. Yeah, it's one of those things where the conversation we had earlier this year, we have a lot in common. So I'm excited for the conversation. Awesome. Well, let's start off with you. Let's find out who Patrick is. Tell us a little bit about yourself. So I grew up middle-class family in central Connecticut. And then I played hockey in school, decided to, I got pretty bad injuries. I don't have a body type that's meant to play hockey, <laughs> but I played in college for a couple of years and got injured. Then I decided to go on a, you know, a service mission for my church, came back. And then I decided to, to move out to Utah because my parents were retiring to Cape Cod, Massachusetts. So I finished school at the University of Utah about two months before I left. One of my best friends growing up introduced me to Rich Dad, Poor Dad, you know, the last part of 2002. And that book really just, you know, it made me think about life and my future and career in school and everything with a much different perspective. And so when I arrived in Utah, I got a job in sales, even though I hated sales. You know, and I graduated with a degree in economics and I just fell into a couple of financial jobs, real estate in uh, consumer finance and mortgage finance. And then finally, I was smitten with one of Kiyosaki's original financial advisors, Kim Butler. And she was gracious enough in 2005 and 2006 to teach me what she was doing. She was a financial planner at the time. But she, with obviously the help of Kiyosaki, helped her look at finances and planning and strategy different. So, you know, she kind of showed me the ropes. And then in 2007, I started Paradigm Life. And from there, things were going good for six months. And then the whole thing, you know, the business that I was a part of that helped me get Paradigm Life off the ground fell apart, right? 2008, 2009, they almost went bankrupt. I almost went bankrupt. And, you know, I'd say, there was a number of times where my wife was like, go get a job at 7-Eleven down the street because that's going to pay more than you're bringing in. And you know, I had some really rough lessons, but I hung on and that's what I've been doing since. And so the book has really been 
the culmination of over a decade's worth of experiences with clients, experiences personally, the knowledge I gained through studying the economy and what caused the business cycle collapse that we witnessed in 2008 to 2010. It's been an awesome journey. And, uh, you know, the book is just something I wanted to do to leave a legacy for my kids so that they know what the journey was. And also, it's kind of a cohesive message of the podcasts I've done throughout the years, the webinars I've done, the other events that I've spoken at. I'm really grateful that I was able to get the book done and tell the story. Yep. It's a great book. I've gone through it and I do highly recommend it. And you answered my question about, you know, what was the impetus for it and why did you want to put it all on paper? So it's a combination of leaving a legacy and doing a brain dump from all your experience. So I think that was a great thing to do and it was well done. One of those things that I've come to realize over the years is I think human beings have a desire to leave their stamp on the world, their mark on the world. And especially if they have kids, I know you do. It's one of those things where, I mean, I went through so much and I realized that it was, it was unique to the normal path that most people are on from a profession standpoint. And it took over two years to write the book, but it helped keep me motivated and inspired to actually finish it. Yeah, no, that's great. I'm glad it's done. And that's available on Amazon. So if someone wants to check it out, they can grab a copy there, I'm sure. Let me throw this out at you. Let me ask you my first question here. You know, for many people, the American dream, at least this is the way many of us have been brought up, is to own their own home. But it's not something that everybody wants, especially today with millennials. And then it's also a liability, as you and I know, especially after drinking the Robert Kiyosaki Kool-Aid. And it's also not even affordable for many of us in many of the U.S. markets today. So comment on the origins of the so-called American dream and what is the American dream today and you know what should it be? Yeah, and that was something that I felt really strongly about sharing is how that label that we place on different things has changed drastically over the years. Because you're right, I think most people would associate the American dream with getting a good job and owning a home. But the original American dream was really the philosophy behind how this nation was created. And I don't think people, at least I growing up, didn't acknowledge how significant the testament, the stake in the ground, the founding fathers laid by putting their lives, you know, in jeopardy to really get their principles, their values, what they believed would be a foundation of a prosperous society on paper and into a, a constitution. There wasn't really a constitution that ever existed until then. And the impetus behind it was essentially the desire to be free. And that desire to be free, you know, this was King of England, but that desire to be free right, had been expressed by a lot of different philosophers and a lot of different revolutionaries over in Europe, and they would be killed. They would be hung at the gallows. I mean, these were criminal offenses back then. And a lot of the reason why pilgrims came over to the new world, right, was for property ownership, freedom. And I think we've lost that, right? And now we've delegated the responsibility for our well-being to other people, namely the government, our employer, Wall Street firms, and our 401k, instead of taking responsibility for our lives and responsibility for our success and, for, and responsibility for our well-being. And that's where I would say the true American dream was, and it's totally gone in a different direction, almost the opposite of what the intention right. was. And I believe that you know we are feeling that now with the high amount of taxes that we pay, 
both in the actual tax itself plus inflation. We don't obviously get into that, but we've given up really what those foundational beliefs were for security and we're paying the price for it. And that's why our social security system is a wreck. Our retirement system is a wreck. The pension system in all municipalities and even at the federal level is a wreck, right? Is because we have really placed the power on those that are governing us to care for us instead of us caring for ourselves. And, you know, that's what I try to say in this, in the book is to reignite the American dream is instead of pursuing retirement or even the definition of financial freedom, which most in our circle use, which is more passive income than expenses, I'd even go beyond that. I think true financial freedom is really where you discover something that you're meant to do and you provide that service to the world. It could be in a business, it could be in the arts or whatever. And I think investing plays a role in that because it kind of gives you a permission slip or a foundation to build really what you as an individual, your unique abilities and talents are meant to do. And I think that's where the most fulfillment, joy, happiness, where it comes from. It's not because your bills are paid by your rental properties, but I think that is a huge component of it. And so that is really what I try to state in the book is, okay, here's a philosophy, the context, and then here are the various tools, whether it's business ownership or finding a career that aligns with who you are or investing in property. I mean, that's where, and obviously with what we do, which we consider the foundation of financial freedom with some of the products that we sell that are insurance-based, it's really stating the context first and then showing the how later. Yeah, I totally agree. And, you know, financial freedom allows you or affords you time freedom, which allows you to follow your passion. It allows you to pursue what you were meant to do on this earth. So if it's to help other people achieve the same thing, find their financial freedom, time freedom, or achieve their financial goals or, or their passions in life, you know, it allows you to do that. And that's why I do what I do. And I know that's why you do what you do. It allows you to help other people achieve their goals. And I know you don't believe in retirement as it's typically defined. Because, you know, you should just keep doing what you love to do and don't call it work. You know, I can't remember who quoted the saying, and I'll probably butcher this and you can probably help me out with this, Patrick, but there's a saying where if you love what you do, it's never You'll never work, work a day in your life. Yeah. Exactly. That's You'll it. never work a day in your life. Yeah. And I break this idea down in some of the book, which is the desire to retire actually comes from the desire to be free and retire. If you look at the actual idea around it, it came about with a Prussian system and the Prussian system of trying to get old people out of the workforce. And the idea of retirement really didn't exist until the 1960s and 1970s. But that idea, right, of stopping retirement is to take out of service, is to stop doing, that's not natural to a human being. And that's why you have nope. a lot of depression, a lot of issues going on, you know, with that upper age range of society, right, is because they bought into this idea that they're going to sacrifice their life now for a better life in the future. But when they get to that future, they're going to realize that, wow, playing golf and being by the pool every single day yeah. is not fulfilling because we're meant to create value. And that remuneration, that feeling, that sense of worth and being like that, it's rarely talked about, if ever talked about, in traditional financial and typical financial services, and it's unfortunate. Yeah, absolutely agree. Let me take a quick moment and recognize one of our great sponsors, Stamps.com. You know, I don't like waiting in line. It's a waste of my valuable time. 
I like to use Stamps.com because I can access all the services of the post office right from my desk. And I save valuable time driving to and from the post office. You know, these days you can get almost everything on demand, and that includes stamps and all your postal services right there. Buy and print real U.S. postage for any letter or any package, available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. You literally just click, print, and mail, and you're all done. Stamps.com will even send you a digital scale, so you have everything you need right there at your desk, just like I do right here on my desk. So give it a try. Go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top right of their homepage, type in PREI for our podcast, Passive Real Estate Investing, and get yourself a four-week trial that includes postage and a digital scale. So that's stamps.com, enter the promo code PREI. So let's shift gears here for a moment. You know, I see what we refer to as, quote unquote, Wall Street as this enormous financial institution. I call it the blob. (laughs) What is the problem with Wall Street and how do we get away from it? I mean, it's a loaded question because when I think about that, I just want to go off for an hour and talk about it. But what's the problem with Wall Street? How do we get away from it? You have to distinguish the stock market and Wall Street, right? Because I think the stock market, it has a significant role. It's how companies raise money. It's also an accountability system for certain companies to continually be innovating because their market value is based on supply and demand. Mm-hmm. But Wall Street, you know, it really was the delegation of the retirement system away from pensions and insurance companies into investment banks. And so the idea of Wall Street is they've been given this like infinite stream of income in the form of retirement contributions. And if you really look at the stock market pre-1980s, it was relatively small. But once there was the transition, and I think one of those variables that made that big transition was the IRA and the 401k, sure. well, which came about mostly through ERISA. And that is where companies, they would obligate themselves to take care of their employees through a pension. And that was a liability to them. So they were taking on liabilities of paying people down the road that weren't working for them any longer. And they couldn't just get rid of that. It was a contractual obligation. And so it bankrupted a lot of companies. It's bankrupted municipalities. Yep. So what happened was going from the defined benefit plans, which were pension plans, to defined contribution plans, which is 401ks and qualified plans, uh, KIOGs, 403Bs. There's a lot of them that fit within those categories. Those were plans where a company was able to provide what seemed like the same benefit as a pension, but with none of the liability. And then it started to go from investments that were of low risk to investments that became high risk. Okay? And that's when Wall Street essentially figured out ways in which they could use leverage to maximize their benefits and their clouts. And then the whole thing just kind of got out of control. And now Wall Street is so big, it owns the financial media is wrapped up in that web. I mean, the whole world economy is wrapped up yeah. in that web. So if you look at the clout and the influence they have in Washington, D.C., and with their lobbying power, they control a lot of legislation. They control the narrative associated with what people should do with their money. And that's how I define Wall Street, right? Which is they have this power that is not, I hate to use the word not fair, but it's really being able to control the narrative so that people really only have one solution when it comes to what they do with their money. Yeah. And that's why I like to refer to it with the technical term, the blob, 
it's essentially a widespread financial institution and you could call it almost like a disease because it's penetrated so far and so deep into our society, even our culture, that everybody thinks that investing means investing in the stock market, Wall Street, stocks, bonds, mutual funds. And then everything else is loosely referred to as alternative investments. But like you said, you know, it wasn't until it's actually this century, but even late in this century that it's become the mainstream investment and everything else has been kicked to the side as an alternative. But if you go back hundreds of years, for the longest time, real estate was by far the best investment that anybody could make. It was the best asset class. It was true wealth. It was wealth where wealth was created. It was wealth where wealth was stored. And now it just seems to be all these paper assets. So the reason I wanted to ask you this question is I wanted to get people thinking about what we see as investing and investments and move away from that because there's so many other better things you can do with real estate and insurance products wrapped around that. Anyway, if you, unless you have any other comment on that, I'm going to keep moving forward here. No, I would. I, and I think it comes down to the degree of control and how risk is associated with that. Because if you look at you know, a property or a business or insurance, there's a degree of certainty that comes about by whether it's guarantees and contract or control. If you look at Wall Street, it's a game of risk where you don't really control anything. You're betting on the fact that some fund manager knows what they're doing and they're not going to lose all of your money. And then it hopefully it will be worth something at some future date. So it's a hope and risk. You know, there's a client that I have, he makes millions of dollars in Las Vegas. He's a professional gambler. And to him, that game of risk isn't risk because he's an expert at it. He studies it. He understands psychology. Anyway, I don't want to go on that trail, but it's one of those things where when you have an education and you use that education to control something, you know more or less what the outcome is going to be. When it comes to, you know, Wall Street, there isn't that control. It's all a game of, I hope this is going to turn out this way. Now, this is go back to the stock market, right? Which is, I know I have good friends that are very successful in the stock market, but they have education, they have knowledge, and they can use leverage, and they subsequently control that. I think it's much different than the typical way in which people invest. But real estate, that's, you know, it's just one of those things where I had a lot of property, you know, rental property before 2008, 2009, and I got hosed as far as values, but I kept them. The rents kept coming in. They kept being... Real estate is one of those things where you control more if you do it the right way and you benefit in multiple ways, right? So, and that's where, sure. you know, there's a section of the book where I advocate the use of rental properties that you control as a starting point to become educated before you get into syndications and other type of investments, which, you know, I think you have less control, but sometimes you can mitigate your risk by education. Correct. Yeah. And you've mentioned education multiple times and a lot of it is education, but there's also the mindset. So education and mindset are critically important. And, you know, people who are rich and wealthy think a little differently. Becoming wealthy has a lot to do with mindset. So how we think drives a lot of what we do and the results that we end up getting in life. And financial success actually starts with, you know, what's between your ears, the mindset. Can you elaborate on that for a minute? Just talk about the mindset aspect of it. Yeah. And I think it's one of those things where it's completely the diametric opposite of hope and risk. You delegate the responsibility for the well-being of your wealth to somebody else. Okay. When you look at education, you essentially take responsibility for the well-being of your wealth. So as far as the mindset is concerned, 
it's completely different, right? And I would even argue that not even insurance or investing, if a person just took what they were willing to put away for their quote unquote retirement and then took a course every year on improving their ability to lead or to manage or to market or whatever they felt like they had some strength in, that right there would give them a huge return on investment. So the idea is if you acknowledge that you are your best asset and keeping it healthy, whether it's from a physical standpoint or from a mental standpoint, so that you can make a difference for others, that is the basis really of wealth. Because I would say if you get a lot of money by doing the wrong thing, that's not wealth. Wealth is essentially creating a tremendous amount of value for others in which they're willing to pay you for. And I think that, like you said, it happens between your ears. And the awesome thing is, it's like there's never an end to that investment. And it's always going to be your best return. Yeah, agreed. So in talking about wealthy people, we know that wealthy people use insurance as a strategy and a tool. And this is so misunderstood. When people hear insurance, it's so narrow in their scope of understanding. And I think I need to probably do more episodes about insurance, what it is and the products around it, because there's a whole industry wrapped around insurance. But wealthy people use insurance as a strategy and a tool. And so what are one or two of the biggest myths related to insurance? Because I know you probably deal with this every single day. Yeah. And I, and I would, you know, I would also say that the similar mindset, maybe not the same, but a similar mindset in the insurance world it's the same thing as Wall Street. I think the mentality is very similar. And it's unfortunate because it's an industry that has math and science that produces almost a guaranteed outcome. But yet there's stuff that's not done the right way, in my opinion. So I wouldn't exonerate the insurance industry from being wrapped into this whole Wall Street idea because I think that there are some issues, major issues there. You know, when I look at insurance, for me, insurance is a foundation. And we specifically advocate a specific type of life insurance, one where it has a savings component and it's structured in a way in which there's an acceleration of that savings component. And because of its tax benefits, because of its degree of certainty, I mean, it's better than anything else that's out there, really, if you think about it from an account standpoint. However, it's not the end-all be-all. I would say insurance for us from a foundational standpoint Number one, it's kind of a multi-dimensional tool. So it does more than one job. The first job, you know, I would say, especially for those that are younger and building their assets, building wealth, it's one of the best places to save money, but you still control that wealth and that money so that you can participate in other investments. And that's why we call it the and asset. We'll get into that as it pertains to real estate in a second. But then the other angle is there's some asset protection features. You also have you know, a built-in type of legacy feature, which is death benefit, because in the end, that's the one thing that nobody can avoid. And so this almost locks in your ability to pass on a legacy. And so it helps you when it comes to deleveraging real estate in the future, deleveraging other assets. This essentially becomes what you pass on as a legacy so that you can utilize the other assets you have to spend while you're alive. And it does a few other things as well. But from a real estate standpoint, the feature that really attracted me to it initially was that you could save money and earn interest in this specific account. Okay. And you have guarantees and certainty around it. But then the underlying insurance company will give you a line of credit against it. So at the same time as you have an account that's earning interest, 
you essentially can go to the insurance company and ask for a loan from them against that value. So collateralized by that value. So the value keeps growing, it keeps earning interest. And now you have the use of this line of credit to invest in yourself, make business investments or capitalize a business, make real estate investments. So you almost have built-in leverage associated with a savings product. So that's kind of where the foundational use is. But as I talk about in the book, that's just the foundation, right? Nobody's going to build a foundation of their house, right? And just sleep on the concrete. There's other parts of the construction that really create something that you can live in. And that requires your business, investing in yourself, investing in other assets and so forth. So it sounds like it's like a savings account, but it's far better because if you're saving money to invest, you put it in an account and then you deploy it and you have nothing left in the account, you've moved it into an asset. Correct. The way I describe what you just said is that the way I think about it, this is just my words, you know, you have a savings account, you put the money in, you're earning interest on it. And then instead of deploying that into an investment, you're borrowing against it with almost the same amount that you put in. And so you still have the original principal earning interest with the added benefit of having insurance, uh, death, uh, what do you call it? Um, a death benefit a death or a benefit. legacy benefit. Correct. On top of that, uh, it's almost like it's quote unquote free, but you know, it comes as part of the policy. And so you can still leverage your investment capital that stays in your account and put it towards investments. So is that pretty accurate the way I described it? It is. Yeah. And it's one of those over the course of time, the policies earn a, what I would consider historically a good yield. Now it's not double digits. You know, it's between the four five, six percent You know, it's been higher historically, but it's tax-free. But also if you look at how that return is created, it's not a risk. Insurance companies, they are masters at what's called actuarial science. They know what to charge somebody because they know with a big group of people, right? Who's going to get into a car accident? Who's going to be disabled? Who's going to pass away prematurely? They have all those statistics. And the benefit of the type of policies and structures we use is that you're paid based on your ownership in the company. So we use mutual companies that are not publicly traded. They're not publicly owned. They're private companies that if you purchase a specific type of policy, you get a pro rata share of their profitability. And it's not huge over time. But one of the points I wanted to make is that this is really one of the only vehicles that's out there that has compound interest. Other vehicles out there, you know, I'll take even real estate. Most people think that because you have a specific cash on cash return over time, that there's compounding. And that's not necessarily true because if you invest money and get a 10% cash flow on it, to be compounding, that cash flow would have to go right back into something that was earning 10%. I would argue that because of inflation and because of monetary policy, the value of the home can compound. But we all know that there are cycles and fluctuations. So if you look at your analogy before, which is a bank account, you put money into a bank account and deplete it, you've now lost any compounding power that that money had for the future because you've allocated it somewhere else. Right. This is a vehicle that continues to compound. And even though it's four, five, whatever percent and tax-free, it is pretty significant over the course of time. 
But again, that's just one aspect of a wealth strategy. The other aspect is how you utilize that loan provision. And if there's education behind it, that is where it gets really, really exciting. But I would also say there are those that use this system or you know purchase that type of product that don't have education and they'll utilize a loan and lose the money. And that's where the strategy doesn't always work out in the end. So yeah. it doesn't remove the importance of a person really understanding that the deployment of that loan provision, they need to have some education behind it so that whatever they're using it for pays a return. Right. Not just of like a rate of return. It pays a return of principle too. <laughs> so Yeah. Well, the interest you earn that four or 5% really, the way I look at it is it's just a hedge against inflation. All you're doing is keeping up with, maybe you can call it the real rate of inflation if it's actually that low, but I just call it an inflation hedge because you're keeping up with inflation. Yeah. And that's actually, if you look historically at bond rates and then, you know, whether you use CPI or whatever the Fed uses, you know, the personal consumption index, yep. if you track those over the course of time, they all follow in line. So if you go back to, you know, the high interest rates of you know, the late seventies and eighties, the dividends for these type of policies were in the double digits. And so if you really look at how inflation occurs over time, there is a very close correlation between what this yields as well as what inflation is. So you're right. Let me stop and say that if you're like me, the list of books you want to read or those that people suggest you read is never ending and always expanding. You simply don't have the time to read them all. Our sponsor Blinkist has solved your long list of must reads once and for all. You see, Blinkist is the only app that takes thousands of the best-selling nonfiction books and distills them down to their most impactful elements, so you can read or listen to them in under 15 minutes all on your phone. With Blinkist, you will expand your knowledge and learn more in just 15 minutes than you can in almost any other way, plus you can listen to it anywhere. I've been a customer for over a year, and I like to listen to Blinkist while I'm driving to and from my office or around the house when I'm doing work in the yard. Right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for you, our audience. Go to Blinkist.com passive to start your seven-day free trial. That's Blinkist, spelled Blink, B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com passive to start your free seven-day trial. You can cancel anytime, Blinkist.com passive. We know that the wealthy use the various benefits of insurance policies like this as an ideal storage for their money. How does this work as a real estate investor? I'm a real estate investor. I have a policy. I put money in there in my first year. I seed it once I open it up. Now it's capitalized. Take it from there. How do I, as a real estate investor, take advantage of this insurance product to continue to invest in real estate? I'll actually take one step back and I'll just explain how I use it because I own, I own a sure. business. I own a lot of insurance and all I really invest in is real estate. So I basically take a percentage of the money that I make and it capitalizes insurance year in and year out. So it's one of those, it's a disciplined type of way to get me to allocate some of my earnings. So what I've done is I actually have a threshold, a reserve for my family and also a reserve for my business. And so after 2008, 2009, my wife, she did not have the greatest experience during that when we had no money and no money was coming in. We had little kids. And so she has this dollar amount that she settled on 
that she always wants available. So that dollar amount plus a reserve for my business, okay, I keep 90% of it in insurance policies and cash value. Anything above and beyond that that's available becomes my opportunity fund. So it plays two roles there. It plays the first role of your reserve and savings, and then an opportunity fund, which is the money above and beyond that. So that money is where I start to look for opportunities, whether it's a real estate deal, whether it's improving a property that I have, and so forth. So once I have an opportunity at hand, what I'll do is I will actually get a loan from the insurance company. I'll document that loan, and then I'll put that money into the entity that is going to own the underlying asset. Okay, and I create the documents around that. I document it as a loan. You put it in the corporate minutes and you know, make sure you have amortization schedules and the actual note, things are signed. You know, you don't have to do that. The insurance company, you ask for a loan and they wire you money, right? So, but this is for just standard procedures when it comes to good business practices. So then I'll basically capitalize the investment. Once it's in the entity and I purchase the investment, it could be a property or ownership in a partnership. And then basically what I do is when returns come in, I'll take that return and then I will maybe keep some of it and pay the rest back to pay down the loan. Yep. I love that term you use, opportunity fund, because a lot of people just say, you know, I've got savings or a savings account and I'm saving to purchase X or I'm saving to invest in Y. But really, these are all opportunities. So I love that opportunity fund uh, label that you've well, given. Well, I think it. human beings need discipline. And I know that there are some unicorns out there that are just naturally disciplined. But human <laughs> behavior has shown me that you have to have a system to operate within. And the system that we've created is simple. But what it does is it helps when it comes to just human behavior. Because you've seen it, Mark. I mean, yep. when you have an investment opportunity right? And you have money in a bank. It's kind of like money in the bank earns nothing. I have this investment. I have to get my money out of the bank and in this investment. And that's what creates issues where you skirt due diligence. You trust too much in the person giving you the actual performa. And I mean, it's one of those things where having a system where here's your opportunity fund, here are the rules you set for your family and for yourself associated with deploying that money you're now going to look at that investment differently. You're going to ask better questions and know that you're making the right decision. Sure. And I think that oftentimes helps to mitigate some of the human behavior that messes investments up. Sure. So Patrick, as we start to wind this thing down here, there's a lot of people that are going to be listening to this and they're going to say, well, I have an existing financial plan or I've got some sort of plan in place, which may or may not include insurance, insurance products. I got to ask this basically for all those people, but for everybody, how does someone incorporate this into their existing financial plan? It doesn't work for everybody because there is a level of education that's required to number one, understand it, understand what you're doing. And this is something because of this business, I do everything online. My reputation online is very important. And this is a lifelong commitment. When a person does this, I essentially create a relationship with them and we have 6,000 some odd clients we have a relationship with them forever. So this is something where we put a lot of energy into education. And then once there's a foundational level of education, then we essentially show if this would benefit them or not. So if somebody does have a financial plan or a financial strategy, that's awesome. And if they don't think that they need this, that's fine too. I would say that because of 
the education that we provide and all of our consultations are complimentary. If it works, great. If it doesn't, at least you learn something. Yeah. Uh, but it's one of those things where you know I found it valuable for me. I found it valuable for a lot of other people. But I would be the first to tell you that not everybody that we talk to does business with us for a variety of reasons. Yeah. But at the same time, something that I've seen work for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. Well, last question. I know you're a really smart guy. This is kind of a more generalized question, but we talk about control and we've mentioned it a few times here today. We as humans have limited time. You know, we are compelled to grow, but we have limited resources and limited time. And that's, I'm not saying that because I have a scarcity mentality. I actually believe in abundance and opportunity. But when you think about taking control of your financial future, what advice would you give people listening in taking control of their financial future? Man, that's a good question. A question I often ask myself and, you know, I like to ask clients as well is, is there something keeping you up at night? Is there something that gives you a level of anxiety? That's good. Because I, I look at that and that level of anxiety is in a sense, preventing you from optimizing, as you put it, your time. Time is what everybody is trying to get more of. And it's what drives society. I mean, yeah. today, the rational optimist, gosh, I can't remember that guy's name, you know, does a brilliant job of talking about how much money a person had to earn for the light that they had during the day. And if he was uh, meeting candlelight, and how significant that has come down, where people don't have to work as much as they did before. So society is essentially pushing to have more time. But during that time, I would say the level of anxiety can be offset by certainty. And so when it comes to control, control gives you certainty. The lack of control gives you anxiety. Yeah. So I would say control is a correlative to education and your understanding. And if you have anxiety about something, it's because you're gambling and taking a risk. And so I would say it comes down to how can you get education or do something different? Whenever you're betting on somebody else to take care of you in whatever respect, I would say that's the first place to start. And that's where I'm a big proponent of, even if you work at a company, use that career to figure out what you are good at. And not just that, but what you like doing. And then figure out ways in which you can improve that, get certifications, enhance the way in which you can provide value to others. And chances are, you're either going to find something in the company you'd love to be at that you can work on your own terms. I think that right there is a tremendous opportunity, especially in our day and age, with the vast amount of employment that exists and the type of employment. Then you go to your investments. Okay, When you're investing and you're betting on somebody else for your well-being, I think that's where it also starts. And, and the reason why I love insurance is because it's based on a contractual certainty with the only thing that is inevitable in life, which is us graduating. And there are scientists out there that have spent hundreds of years figuring out how to price that inevitability. And that's actuarial science. And so the certainty associated with insurance companies, far none to anything else that's out there. When I'm able to understand that I have control over the situation, that reduces my level of anxiety and fear. And that allows me to really capitalize on the time that I have yeah. without having to worry. That makes sense. Yeah. Yep. It does. Good answer, Patrick. It just got me thinking. I'm good friends with Jim Rohn's business partner. You know, unfortunately, Jim Rohn passed away a number of years ago. But Jim Rohn has a tremendous number of excellent quotes. And 
one that you were making me think of is you don't get paid by the hour. You get paid by the value you bring to the hour. And really, that's one of the things you were just talking about is how much value can you bring to other people and to yourself? And part of that is really just having control of what you do and what you offer. Because that ties in. It's also understanding the definition of money. The definition of money is a receipt of value. And people don't look at it like that, right? And if they did, then they'd just go out, go figure out how to provide more value to more people. Sure. And then they have more money. Yeah. The more value you provide, the more money you get, right? That comes back. So you're right. Absolute exchange. Patrick, anything else you'd like to share with our listeners before we wrap up? Thanks for listening to your show, man. I mean, I know we have a similar philosophy and I think this is a step whatever nugget of wisdom you can get, act on it. And I would say, and this may seem contradictory to some of the stuff I said in the past, which is take the step. You know, I would say taking risk on yourself is the best risk, right? And that risk is doing something that you're not doing right now to improve yourself. And that stretch is guaranteed to make you grow. I think you were referring to Kyle Wilson, Jim Rohn's old partner. Correct. But I love Kyle. and That's what he exudes is just pushing and pushing beyond your limits, stretching yourself. And it always pays a dividend. So I would just say, keep listening to you, keep studying, keep reading, question your assumptions, pay attention to what makes you afraid. That's a clue in which you can take the education that you have and apply it. Sure. The best investment you can make is the investment in yourself, right? Absolutely. Right 100%. Hey, Patrick, tell our listeners how they can find you and get more information about you and what you do. Sure. So the book website is headsortailsiwin.com. So headsortailsiwin.com. Heads I try or to tails. get other, you know, I try to get other URLs and couldn't get them. All right. Uh, but yeah, there you can access social media. We have a free study guide that you can access there that has some additional education in there. And then, yeah, the book is on Amazon. Read the book, which is, man, super painful. Or read the book, so it's on Audible as well as Kindle. So Cool. Cool. So it's headsiwin.com. Tails, no, heads. Tails, you lose. Oh, you're talking about the URL? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I want the Sorry. URL heads again. <laughs> heads or tails, I win.com. Heads or tails, I win.com. Heads or tails, I win.com. Okay, well, we'll have that in the show notes. So if you're listening and you don't remember it, it'll be in the notes. Cool. Patrick, it's been awesome having you on. I'll definitely have you on again here in the future. So um, thanks for coming on and thanks for your time today. Hey, it was a pleasure. Thanks, Marco. hard time finding great investment properties? Unfortunately, the best deals are rarely found locally. Successful investing begins with the right properties in the right markets. Norada Real Estate provides everything you need to invest in the best deals across the U.S. Our simple, proven system will help you create real wealth and passive monthly cash flow. Get your free copy of the ultimate guide to passive real estate investing at noradarealestate.com slash guide. That's N-O-R-A-D-A realestate.com slash guide. Nothing on this show should be considered specific personal or professional advice. Please consult an appropriate legal, tax, real estate, or business professional for individualized advice. For distribution or publication rights and media interviews, please contact the host.